Morning, everybody. Uh, I'm going to get straight into it. Don't want to waste any time. Um, I just, uh, I, I just wanted to share with you my my heart's desire as a Christian, and, and I'll probably find your heart's desire is is, is not too dissimilar. Uh, when I when I uh, when I think about my life uh, and what I want for my life um, as a Christian, um, my desire uh, is to be effective for the kingdom. I want my life to count for something, for the Lord. But I also want to be filled uh, with this joy and peace as I face the ups and downs and the hardships of life. Does that make sense? I've been Christian long enough to realise you're not going to be happy all the time. <laughs> uh, and you are going to, you know, God isn't there just to solve all your problems and make your life easy. Uh, but what I do know is that God has this joy and peace available through the hardships, through the difficult situations. Uh, and that's what I want. Uh, and I just want to frame the context of what I want to say today with, with that. I want to be effective for the kingdom. I want my life to count for something. Uh, and uh, I hope you do too. Um, the Lord's really, he's really struck me this week. Um, uh, he's really sp spoke to me personally on a personal level. You know, uh, not, not, I feel what God's did, he's got to sort me out before I can come up here and share anything with you. And um, I hope to share a little bit more about that in a bit. I want to specifically speak about Jesus this morning. The man, our God, Jesus Christ. Uh, and as I look uh, at his word, something that Simon said when he was talking, I can't even remember if it was in a sermon or it was just something he was saying, but it struck me and it wouldn't go away. Uh, Jesus, uh, when you ha if you have a conversation with Jesus, uh, you today, or if you look at a conversation with Jesus in the Bible, you will see that Jesus, he, he speaks to the stronghold in your life. That's what he does. He doesn't necessarily answer the question you asked. He doesn't, he doesn't necessarily um, say what you want him to say. He speaks to the stronghold in your life and he has the power to tear it down. That's who he is. Uh, uh, and it's so exciting. I just want to give you a couple of examples of that in the Bible. This is the one that Simon shared. Remember the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and he said, what must I do to gain eternal life? And Jesus said, you know, follow the commandments. You know, what's the greatest commandment? And he told him what it was and he said, and he said, I've done that my whole life. I've done that my whole life. What else? And the, so Jesus, and this is, this is what I love about Jesus, he says, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, Come follow me. And that guy, he walked away with his head low. 
Because Jesus has spoken straight to the stronghold in his life. What was the stronghold? His money. His security. His status. They had a a stronger hold on him than than the hold that God had on him. And God will speak straight to that. And the the wonderful thing I I love about God is... he leaves you with a sense of knowing what the truth is in your life. Uh, and particularly Jesus. If you interact with him, you'll know what the truth is. Deep down. Uh, and uh, you look at some other stories. Uh, the man says to him, um, I will follow you. Just, just let me go and, um, and bury my father first. What does Jesus say? Let the dead bury the dead. You come follow me. Speaking to the stronghold in the man's life. What was the stronghold? Family. Let me put family first and then come for you. And Jesus said, no, no. I'm not willing to be second. And this is, this is the whole crux of my sermon today. I'm not willing to be second. Jesus didn't caveat he wasn't willing to make exceptions. You either have me or you don't. Put me first or don't have me at all. This is, this is, this is Jesus. He didn't try and make it easy for people to, 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 to follow him. Um, disciples. You know, when there were 5,000 people and... Uh, uh, Jesus, Jesus said to them, oh, oh. he said, you feed them. He's speaking to the strongholds in the disciples' life that says, we can do it. Let us, let, let us manage everything. Let us make things work. Let, let's control the situation. I have the resources within me. Jesus said, you feed them. And they looked up and they saw 5,000 people. And they said, oh, I can't do anything. And Jesus has spoke to the stronghold within them. And he presented them with himself. And they said, well, we can't do anything. All we've got is three fishes. Jesus said, let me handle it. And at that moment, they knew that he was the only one who had the power. And I just love it. I love it. Uh, I want to talk another story, the last one. Mary and Martha. They had Jesus round for dinner. And she was saying to him, Tell my sister to come and help me. Tell her to come and help me with preparing the food. And uh, What does Jesus say? He speaks to the stronghold. He says she's chosen what's better. You see, this is the key. The thing was... Jesus is saying the same thing, you know, there's nothing else but me. There's nothing more important than me right now. There's nothing more important than me tomorrow. That's what he he said to the the first person, that's what he said to the last person. Come follow me now, drop everything. You don't need any of that stuff. And, and, uh, (coughs) Uh, it's, 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 this leads me to my next point. 
That last story about Mary and Martha. She was caught up in this, what was the stronghold? Uh, and I like to present this stronghold as uh, her problem, her stronghold was transactional based Christianity. Does that make sense? Transactional based Christianity. Jesus is at my house, what can I do for him? Oh no, I'll make the dishes, I'll do this, I'll do that. And then he'll love me. And then he'll bless me. And it, 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 it's, it, it can be uh, broken down to this. I be good, God blesses me. Transactional based Christianity. And Jesus spoke to that stronghold. What did he say? He said, the better thing, just come and be with me. That's all I really care about. Relationship-based Christianity. Jesus first based Christianity. And this is what we need to make sure we... we, we you know what, it's so easy as a bloke, and maybe as a woman as well, but I'm a bloke, I'm just talking for myself, to slip into transaction-based Christianity. I know that that's a load of rubbish. But you can just slip slowly into it. Now, if you slip into transaction-based Christianity, what will happen is you believe that you're justified before God based on what you've done or who you are. Does that make sense? So I'm a good person or I've done this. I can come and stand in God's presence because of what? And that's a complete load of rubbish. Because what it will leave you, it will leave you with a sense of when God blesses you, You'll become puffed up. When God blesses you, you will say, well, I must be a good person. I must be doing good. And pride will come in. (laughs) Uh, And when things go wrong in your life, and things uh, don't work out, or you come across hardships, or absolute brokenness in your life, you will say, I must be rubbish. It must be me. What am I doing wrong? And you'll become depressed in it all. Uh, because it's all about you, really. Uh, and we, must, we, we mustn't allow ourselves to get caught up in this transactional-based Christianity. We must look and say, do you know what? I'm just, it's all about my relationship with Jesus. Do you know what? I'm saved because of what he did. Yeah? And you know, when the devil speaks to you and says, you're not good enough, you're rubbish, or you're really good, tries to sneak in that way, and tell him, it's not about me, mate. Don't call him mate, but, (laughs) you know, it's not about me. Go talk to Jesus. He's the one. Um, And he becomes that safety net, not your transaction. You see, because the transaction will become a stronghold. It's about what I do. And then you start working for it. And working for it. I want to please God. I need to work harder. I need to push harder. Uh, And you know that all that creates a sense of being drained. Always at the end. And I just just want to encourage you. That's exactly where I've realised that I am. (laughs) Last few months. I just realised, I I think I wrote it down. 
that's where, yeah, I just felt, I don't know, no, nothing to give spiritually. Have you ever been in that place? You know, we're in the meeting here. Oh, what a wonderful time with the Lord. And I just felt, oh, I've just got nothing to bring. The Lord's not speaking through me. Uh, I can say something. We don't need that, though, do we? <laughs> no desire to pray. No desire to pray, to read my Bible. No motivation. Not wanting to. Tiredness. Not necessarily physical tiredness, but just... Oh, you know when you're like, you get home, oh, I've just had enough. <laughs> you know? I found myself getting stressed trying to work through decisions. That's not my personality normally. You ask Gemma, I'm pretty chirpy. Reflecting on situations that happened during the day or during the week and just thinking, I didn't do God's best. <laughs> oh, I just missed the mark. I just feel like I missed the mark. Uh, and <clears throat> yet within that, great relationship with my wife, really uh, engaged with what we're doing in the church, really getting on with the leadership of the church and loving it. Um, work going really, really well. God's blessing me at work massively. Uh, and sort of just thinking, I don't, what am I up to? Uh, and, uh, and I was preparing, I was, I was thinking about preparing to preach this week. Um, and I was talking with Gemma and, and she was saying, you need to prepare earlier. You know, you, you, you just, you, you're not bringing much. You need to sort yourself out. <laughs> Great to have a wife, isn't it? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> she was right. And I was saying, well, you know, I'll just stay up later. And just, I'll just work harder. Uh, and, and the thing that I realised, I reflected on it afterwards and I was saying, I was thinking to myself, you know what, everything else comes first and then I take God on the end. That's not right, is it? All these other things, I'll, I'll do them and then do them and then when there's some time left, you know, the only thing that comes after God is sleep. <laughs> you know, uh, and that's where I was up to. And I, and I thought to myself, no, I can't. So I booked the day off work. I just booked the day off work on Thursday. And I, took, I just took the day off. And uh, I just spent all day just sitting with the Lord. Uh, you know, and my laptop, my, and my phone. <laughs> in the end, I had to put it in the cupboard. <laughs> but just a sense, and I thought, right, I'm going to get down, and I thought, right, I'm going to get down, I'm going to prepare, I'm going to get it all, I'm going to like, focus on delivering. Uh, and I just thought, it's just a load of rubbish. I need to spend some time with the Lord. You know, and do you know what? What a weight off my mind. What a weight off. I just, do you know what I did? I just read my Bible a bit. I listened to some preaching, listened to some Christian music, and I just enjoyed the time. Uh, and do you know what? The Lord just hit me. And I realised, this is what I've been missing. This, this is what I've been missing completely. I've been missing this relaxed time with the Lord. Not pressured time with the Lord where I've got an objective and I need to, you know, you know when you're like, right, Lord, I need you to speak to me, really, Steve, go. You know, like, not that time, just, 
I'm just in your presence. It's all right. I can relax. You know, I have a little 20-minute snooze. That's all right. You know? <laughs> it's all right. I'm just with the Lord. Uh, and it just struck me that the Lord was saying, this is all I want out of you, Pat. All that other stuff. Don't care. Don't care about it at all. And, uh, and do you know what I love about the Lord? It's just in a, in a moment, I just felt absolutely restored. Absolutely restored to his side. All that, uh, all that not feeling good enough rubbish, all that tiredness, just gone. You know, smile on the back of my face and I just, I love it. And the, the reality is, and I just thought, do you know what? I'm always banging on about how great Jesus is. That's my thing. I love it. And I thought, I'm the guy who bangs on about how great Jesus is and doesn't bother spending any time with him. What an idiot! And, uh, and, I, just, it, and I just thought, oh, I think this is great. I've got God all to myself. <laughs> uh, and I just, I, I just realised, I want us to watch a little video. I've got a little video. I want, I want, I want us to watch it. Joel's going to put it up. Now, um, there's an old man in this video, okay? And there's a cash machine there, all right? And I want you to watch the other guys that are around him. Now, just watch. I'm going to play it. There's no sound because it's a uh, security camera. A little bit to the left, Joel. Now, you got it. as a team okay and their objective here is to get him to take his eyes off of the cash machine for a second okay you saw that right they worked as a team and the objective was to distract him to get his eyes off of the cash machine and they swapped his car out in a second did you see that they wanted to get him to look down at the floor. So this one, there was one over here, got him to look down at the floor. And as he did that, and they'd stolen from him. And I just, um, I, I just want to uh, share with you, this is how the devil operates. Okay? This is, this is his bag. This is his game. Right? You might be a Christian. Okay, your salvation might be set in stone now. Amen. Isn't that fantastic? But the devil's like, well, I want to make sure that you have no joy, you have no peace, and you're completely ineffective for God. That's his plan. And he'll do it any way he can. And what he wants to do is he just wants to distract you from one thing. One thing only. It's not church. It's not 
being a good person, or any of that sort of stuff. He wants to distract you from your relationship with Jesus Christ. That is it. Spending time with Jesus. That's all he wants to get you away from. Because if he can get you away from that, the rest of it is worth absolutely nothing. That's his, that's his whole thing. Um, <clears throat> I've got a couple of pictures. You just want to put those pictures up. Okay? Oh, I'll, I'll click it. Okay. All right. Uh, there you see, you see a picture and you can see in the background... It's uh, out of focus, and, the f and this leaf in the front foreground is quite in focus. Now, if you take a look at this one, it's the same picture. Okay. It's the same picture. It's taken of the same thing. This is what the devil wants to do. He, wanna get, he wants to get your focus onto everything else apart from Jesus Christ. He wants you to focus on the tree and, 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 and the water and the grass and your ministries and your family and all the things that need to be done. That's his plan. It's pretty simple. He's a master at it. Uh, <clears throat> he's an absolute master at it. And you will become completely ineffective. No matter how much effort you put in, you will not be effective for the kingdom of God without Jesus Christ being the absolute centre um, and I, I just want to encourage you and I mean as I've looked through this book of Philippians I don't know if you've um, been enjoying it um, just going to uh, bring it up now we are talking about Philippians today sorry uh, I know what I find is that Paul and you read all, any of Paul's books he can't go two sentences without bringing up Jesus Christ. <laughs> Maybe three sentences, but he, he literally just, the guy can't cope. He's, he's got this singular 100% focus, 110% focus, I'd say, on Jesus Christ. The guy is absolutely obsessed, and he doesn't care who it is, where he is, what's going on in his life. Paul, his focus is Jesus. 100% focus. You, you, you can read it. I mean, uh, we're going to read it in a minute. I'm going to read the verses, but what I want you to think about is, is Paul, his effectiveness for the kingdom. Would you say Paul's effective for the kingdom? Pretty, pretty effective. I mean, I can't think of any other person, really, bar Jesus, who's been more effective for the kingdom. And you might say, well, yeah, he's well-trained, well-talented, got a lot of drive and focus. You know, I just haven't got those things. None of those things made him effective. There are hundreds and hundreds of people more intelligent than Paul was, more gifted, more ambitious, put more hours in. But Paul's singular focus, Jesus Christ. And if you look up any of our, our, our heroes of of, um, of, uh, of Christianity. Any of these guys, modern day heroes, people, you know, C.T. Stull, I mean, you know, whoever it is, whoever, whoever you want to think of, they also have this 100% singular focus when they will shut out every other thing comes second apart from Jesus. 
Every other thing. Uh, okay, let's get into the word. Um, this is, this is uh, Philippians 3, verse 3. Oh, chapter 3. Philippians 3, chapter 3. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it's a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision. We who serve God by his spirit, we boast in Christ Jesus and who, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. He's puffing his chest out a little there, isn't he? But he's telling the truth. The problem is that's the truth. Paul was the man. But whatever were gains to me, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And look at this. I want to know Christ. Yes! To know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, so that somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. He's absolutely obsessed, isn't he? Absolutely obsessed. He's saying, everything else in my life, this list, this list of amazing things, what is it? Oh. Don't know what happened there, Joel. Oh, there we go. Sorry. He said, I consider them garbage. And uh, if you go back and, and they take the interpretation of what that word was originally, dung, poo. He's saying, I consider all that other stuff is poo. Okay? You're right, Pat, you can't stand up front and say that. That's what the Bible says. All this stuff is poo. It's not actually, this is the interesting thing. And this is what I want to get into a little bit. Uh, I want to break this down. I want to break this list down a little bit. Uh, Let's go back though. Let's work out what he's actually talking about. He says, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. What is he talking about? What is he chatting about? Well, um, the Philippians, they were a sort of a a new church in Europe. Uh, They weren't Jews. They were just, you know, they were gent- essentially what are called Gentiles or foreigners. Okay, they were foreigners, um, and they didn't know anything about Judaism or, or whatever. Uh, so what they f- found is there were some so-called Christians. They were called Judaizers. Okay, and they went to Philippi uh, and to encourage the church, and basically said, "Look, 
If you want to be good Christians, what you need to do is you need to follow the Jewish traditions and the rules that we've got. And if you follow all those rules, then you'd be a good Christian. Okay? Transaction-based Christianity. Sneak, just sneaking in, you know? And the devil loves it, doesn't he? He's like, right, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get them off Jesus and get them on rules and doing things right and all that sort of stuff. Now, of course, if you're a Jew, why are you? Circumcised, right? <laughs> I did actually watch a video on circumcision. <laughs> to do it as my research, and I was like, ooh. Um, <laughs> So what they were doing is they were going to the church and saying, well, you've got to be circumcised. So if you want to be a good Christian, that's what you've got to do. And that is why Paul says those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh, that's what he's talking about there. Um, <clears throat> so this is the context. He's saying, beware of these people. Don't let them come in and tell you that you've got to follow a load of rules to know God. That's what he's saying. Very simply. He's saying, for we are the circumcision. What he's talking about is you don't need to mash your body up or change your body to be a Christian. And he's saying, we are the circumcision. He's talking about having your heart circumcised. Cutting off the old, dead heart and getting a new heart. That's what he's talking about there. He's saying, we boast in, in Christ Jesus. See, he can't, he can't help himself. We put no confidence in the flesh. And he's saying, look, if you want to know, he's saying, look, none of that works, being, being like, uh, uh, being, following the Jewish rules. That doesn't work. It's not going to get you anywhere. And this is why he says, look, this is why it's not going to get you anywhere. Because I did it all. I did everything. Look, in righteousness, I was faultless. Basically, he's saying, I followed all the rules. I did it. I did them, and I, I was amazing at it. And, and it got me absolutely nowhere. Because that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to God. What matters to God is just you and him. And your relationship with him. Um, <clears throat> but we're going to look at some of these things in a little bit more depth now. Because some of these things here really represent some things that could be relevant. You could say, well, I wasn't circumcised on the eighth day. That's completely irrelevant to me. Okay? And you can say, I'm not. I'm not a Jew, so that cuts out the rest of the list. I'm not persecuting churches and trying to stone people at the oak, you know. I'm not doing that, so why is this relevant to me at all, Pat? Uh, And you might say to yourself, well, I'm certainly not, you know, if it's about righteousness, I certainly haven't followed all the rules. and Put my hand up and say, that's not me. So I'm like, well, I'm not. But the thing is, what these represent... Okay, are some strongholds that can creep into our lives. Okay, and I want to think about those um, because I think the Lord wants to break strongholds this morning. That's what he wants to do. He wants to look at our lives and he wants to say, he wants us to move closer to him. And those things that are in the way of him and you, he wants to move them out of the way. And we're going to call those strongholds. Family heritage. Okay? Now you you know that he was saying, what what did he say? He said, I'm circumcised on the eighth day. Or the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew of Hebrews. What he's saying is, my mum and daddy were Christian. 
Now, a lot of you in your seats, you know, if your mum and dad aren't a Christian, great. <laughs> you know, you're no less entitled than anybody else to Jesus Christ. And you, if, if, if you're like me, I'm a second generation Christian. You are no more entitled to Jesus because you're parents. It's about you and your relationship, not about your parents' relationship. Does that make sense? You know, and, and we've got to come to that place. Um, <clears throat> And this, I thought this was quite interesting. He said, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. The tribe of Benjamin was the ones who stayed faithful to David when no other tribe would stay faithful to David. King, I'm talking about King David. They were the, the best tribe in Israel. There 12 tribes. They were basically the best tribe. The first king came out of Benjamin, King Saul. came out of the tribe of Benjamin. And you might be like, well, you know, my dad's on the leadership team. Now, maybe I'm just talking about our young people. You know, no. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? None of that really matters. None of it matters. And so don't you sit in your seat either and say, I am not good enough because where I've come from. That is no excuse. Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you're not good enough because you don't have a strong enough background in Christianity. That is a load of poo. Okay? I'm allowed to say it today. It's in there. <laughs> Does that make sense? It's about you and your relationship with God. You want to be effective. It doesn't matter if your dad was a Christian or not. So let's have a look. What do some of these other things? A Hebrew of Hebrews. Position. Social status. Position. Recognition. These are all things that can just, if you make them your target, if you make them your focus instead of Jesus Christ, you will end up in a whole heap of transactional Christianity. And, and uh, you, you know, it can be easy to just take your eyes off and just think, well, I'm, I'm aiming at this target. You know? Uh, and he said, in regards to the law... Oh yeah, this was the other one. You know, Paul, it, because of his social status and because of being uh, a Hebrew and a Pharisee and all that sort of stuff, everything was paid up for him as a Pharisee. He would have got, uh, he, he would have been paid well just to study the word. That's the truth. It, people would have looked up to him. You know, we always, when we, we look at the Bible now, we look at Pharisees and, and we're like, oh, they're the bad guys. You know, but the reality is, back then, the Pharisees were, uh, of all the groups at the time, they had the strongest theology. <laughs> the other groups were wacko. You know, like, they, had the, they, they were the closest to, 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 um, to, to, to God's true model, if, if you want. They loved the word. They meditated. They knew the Bible back to front, Pharisees. You want to be a Pharisee? You, you knew the word. You, you meditated on the word, uh, and people respected you. Uh, and he had all these things. And what's he saying? They're not worth anything. It's not worth anything. Biblical knowledge. He's talking about being a Pharisee. As a as a Pharisee, you would have had fantastic biblical knowledge. And you might be like, well. You know, but if you make that your target, and I know Simon's doing a Bible course, and I'm not jumping on your side, it's great that you're doing a Bible course. 
But if you make that your target over Jesus, you'll get yourself in all sorts of trouble. You know, you know and you see these people who have made um, biblical truth their, their target, and they just, just like we're talking about, they just, instead of aiming pure, straight at Jesus, they start to just veer off just a little bit. You know? Uh, if you, you know, and if you just veer off just a little bit, do you know, if you, if you try and fly to the moon and, you, and you're one degrees out, you miss the moon completely. Amen. We've got, we've got, we can't say, well, I, 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 I sort of, I'll focus on biblical truth. No, 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 focus on Jesus and biblical truth will come. You know? Oh, religious activities. <laughs> What did he say? As, as for zeal, persecuting the church. So he, he, he was very religious and he was saying, well, there's this other group that, have, that, that, that they've come up and uh, as Simon was telling me, you know, there's a verse that says something, he who hangs on a tree um, is cursed. And so uh, he, Simon was telling me that Paul, Paul took this verse to heart and was like, well, we're not having cursed, we're not having these cursed fellows ruining Israel I'm going to make sure that they're cut out. I'm going to work hard on that. And you know, as, as Stephen was stoned to death, Paul was standing there. And he was instigator. Uh, but he was, he was just doing his religious duty. He was just doing his church ministry. And you know, for people like us, you know, it, you mustn't make your church ministry your primary focus. You mustn't make other people your primary focus. Does that make sense? Because if you do, you will find yourself completely drained to the floor. Uh, and, and I know we've got a, a fantastic pastoral team here. And I, I'm talking to you guys. If you make helping other people your primary focus, you, one, you'll be completely drained. Two, you won't help them at all. You won't, because you're going to have nothing to offer them. The only thing that is worth anything offering is what you have of Jesus Christ. So, so as, we, as we move forward together, let's make sure that we're keeping him at number one. You know, and as, as you're in your ministry, the key to your ministry, and, and I look around this church and I see so many people who God is using. Honestly, God is using you mightily for his kingdom. Let's keep him number one. We don't want that to change. How about this? As for legalistic righteousness, faultless, that's what Paul said. Try to do the right thing, follow the rules, be moral. If you try and do it, it's good, to, it's good isn't it? But if you, again, if you make that your centre, you're going to be running around, chasing your tail, trying to get it right. And it's exhausting trying to get it right. There's no rest in it, because you have to keep going. Uh, and this is... Uh, this is you know, I look at this list and I'm going, you know, and then obviously uh, I just want to add that one on the end. Things he'd achieved, you know, I've done this, I've done that. You know, we can rest on, on these things. And I look at this list and I'm going, do you know what? It's great to have Christian parents. It's really great to know your Bible. That's not a bad thing, is it? This is a list of good things. Christian activities, ministries, they're good things. 
Everything on the list is actually a good thing. It's, it's good to, to, to have good social status and people know who you are and know that you stand up for the Lord. You know, these things are all good. It's good to, it's good to be able to support your family. We'd be silly if we were saying that wasn't right. All these things, they're all good. The devil wants to use them. I, I'm just going to come back. Devil wants to use them. All he wants to do is just get your eyes off of Jesus. Get your eyes onto something else. Other good things. If he can't, you know, sins is sins is number one target. If I can get them onto sin, you know, I'll get because that just puts a wall in front of them and God. <laughs> puts a wall up. He's like, but if I can't get them onto sin, what I'll get them onto is anything else. I'll get them busy. I'll get them exhausted. I'll get them caring about everything. And that's, that's what the devil's trying to do. Uh, <clears throat> I just want to encourage you. What's great about Jesus? What is great about him? Why bother? <laughs> what is great about Jesus? Who else giving their life for you? Honestly. No one. Who else has got the power to set you free from anything you're going through? Who else has got that power? Who else has got the God-given right to let you into the kingdom of heaven? Who else? Who else can really, and, and you know this, who else can really, you know that when I was talking about losing my joy and my peace, just it just slipping out the back door. Who, else, who can restore that to you? Who can? Honestly, who can? There's nothing on that list that can do it. You know, people might, you know, uh, and this world will teach you that family first. They'll teach you that, family first. That's a, that's a worldly value. Isn't family important? God's here to help us have a nice family life. That wasn't what, where Paul was up to, was he? It's very likely that he had had to abandon family. He was in a prison. There were none of the... But yet his joy, and this is what I love about this book of Philippians, his joy was intact. You know, look, he, he, he said in there, he said, it's no trouble for me to tell you these things again and again. It's no trouble. You can literally see, I'm loving it. I've got an opportunity to write a letter about Jesus. Oh, this is great. You know, and, he's, and he's so excited and he's so happy. And you know, there's people with everything miserable. And I'm just ranting now, aren't I? I'm just going for it. But the truth is, we've got Jesus. We've got the real deal, guys. There's nothing better. And you know what? We can shout about him all we like, but if we don't, if we don't put him first in our own personal walk, you know, and, and you, you might say, well, I haven't got enough time. I haven't got enough time. And the reality that I've come to this week is, I haven't got enough time not to. In fact, I haven't got enough time for anything else but, and I need to sort my priorities out. <laughs> I'm dribbling that. <there. laughs> huh. But that's the truth. 
I can't afford not to put him first. Uh, and, uh, and it just sort of shunted me back in line this week. Does that make sense? Right. Uh, there's a lot of things in there, and some, one of them might hit a nerve with you, might not have. And you know, if your life is going great at the moment, and you're right, right there with Jesus, amen, brother and sister. That is fantastic. You keep going. Uh, but when you struggle, and anyone who's been a Christian for a while knows that you go through times where you f- feel like you've hit the floor, flat as a pancake, just don't keep fighting. Say, Lord, I want to come and rest in you again. Put the other things aside. Uh, let's, let's respond together. Uh, you know, when Tim was singing that, that first song, Be Thou My Vision, um, I was in my heart, I was going, yes! This is what God's been saying to me today. Um, I've just been so encouraged. You know, I was encouraged by a song that um, I don't even like. <laughs> I don't even like the words in it, but the Lord just blessed me for it, you know? Um, just about how his love is just, you know, as reckless love. I don't even like that song. But, you know, the Lord just, he just did me in over it. He was just saying, oh, you know, like, he's just, he just loves me. Uh, and I just realised, you know, Lord, that this song that I've all hoity-toity about, you're ministering to me for it. Well, amen. Um, are you ready to come to him? Should we do it together? Should we sing and just let the Lord just come and speak to our hearts? Uh, if, you, if you need to get right with him, uh, if there's some stronghold in your life, do you know what? I'd love to pray with you. You know, he's broke the strongholds in my life. I'd love to pray with you. Um, let's, let's sing something together. Sing anything you like, guys.